Hello, and welcome to the 14th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. I'm uh, one of your co-hosts, Samantha Blackman. I am an associate professor at Purdue in uh, rhetoric and composition with a focus in digital humanities and minority rhetorics in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, And I am joined tonight, as in every podcast night, by my two co-hosts, Alex Lane and Sarah White. Um, Ladies? Well, all right. I'm Alex. I'm a PhD student uh, at Purdue, and I am five days away from taking my preliminary examinations. And after I fail that, they get to uh, kick me out of the program. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! You know what? I might fail if I don't stop playing Civ Five. All right. It has been absolutely ridiculous lately. But anyway. We're going to have an intervention there. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I I thought that would be your opportunity to beg for your Chewy Runs. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't want to. Let me, well, let me let me just. Well, I'll just yeah. do that real quick. So I have been looking for Chewy Runts for going on three weeks now. I had them um, a few weeks ago on a trip out to Boston, and I want some. So if anybody from the West Lafayette area knows where to get a hold of some Chewy Runts, I would be entirely grateful. And let me tell you this: I will probably get diabetes if I don't get them soon because I keep eating chewy everything else, trying to like satisfy the urge so i've probably had 15 bags of chewy sprees in the past two weeks <laughs> not kidding um also chewy uh, lemon heads um Ooh, which yeah. uh now they were they were interesting apparently actually the lemon ones were disgusting um what else did i have uh some starbursts a bunch of stuff it, it just it wasn't doing the trick so if anybody knows that would be very helpful for so me you should also google it very see if you can't oh, order, you probably online. order them on like amazon I could probably yeah, get them on Amazon, can. but that's not the same. you got to get them at a gas station. It's true. Well, they've been sitting on the raunchy. shelf for a couple of months. Because that's what makes them, that has the right chewy consistency. <laughs> Don't judge me. Okay. That's hardcore. Okay. I'm well, um, I am not in need of chewy runs. Uh, my name is Sarah White, and I teach at Purdue North Central, which is about about an hour and a half to the north of Samantha and Alex. And I teach creative writing and composition and whatever else they let me. Uh, right now, I'm also the co-coordinator of composition and uh, finishing up summer sessions. So that's the exciting stuff here. And that's who I am. Great. Well, yeah. um, as I said, this is episode 14. Um, <laughs> and tonight, uh, we're going to talk again about religion and games. Uh, but we're going to talk a bit more specifically about religion and games and talk about some, some specific games tonight. Because uh, I think after our last podcast, um, we, we've been thinking a lot about how we see religion in games. Um, and, and how we see it kind of playing out in different games in different ways. But before we get to the good stuff, um, we're going to do our favorite part of the show, which is our what you've been playing, what you're reading, and what you're drinking part. Um, so let's start with what you've been playing. Um, we were chatting before we started recording, and I think Alex and I played a couple of different things mm-hmm. um, over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, I'll go first because, you know... It's kind of expected at this point, right? Um, no, I disagree. I'm going. I'm just okay. kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Ahead. <laughs> it's like, okay, go ahead. Um, my uh, iOS game, um, I think it's probably the same one I was playing last time, which is pretty 
pretty uh, astonishing because I don't usually get hooked on iOS games and, and play them that long. But I'm still playing Cityville, hometown on my. Oh my iPhone. god! I bet all my crops are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been on there in like a week. I'm sorry. Well, I, and I can't revive your crops either. Oh, um, so, yeah, I've been playing uh, Cityville Hometown. Um, I still need more neighbors. So if people want to um, play, you know, email us. Let me know. We'll, I'll friend you. And we can play. We can be neighbors. Um, <laughs> I've also been playing, and, and I think Alex and I have probably been in the same boat. We've been looking at and playing a lot of indie games. Mm -hmm. um, thanks to Steam for the last couple of weeks. Um, thanks, Steam. Thanks, Steam. Thanks, Except for Steam. I'm, mad at, I'm mad at Steam for something else, but I'll talk about that later. Um, wait, wait, just real quick, when you said that you wanted people to be your neighbor, I had this really disturbing picture of you in a sweater being like, won't, won't you, you be my neighbor? My neighbor? Mr. McFeely. We'll call her Dr. Mrs. Feely or whatever. <laughs> That's right. It was Mr. Rogers. Oh well, I don't know what you were talking about. Mr. McFeely was his was his mailman or something. You know what I'm saying? Well, Sam's not the mailman. I'm not the mailman. Well, right. I didn't say she was walking around with milk. I said she had a sweater on. <laughs> mailman doesn't have milk. You're mixing metaphors. Whatever. <laughs> People know what I mean by Mr. McFeely. Uh, mm. Not everybody is as old as us, Sarah. So they may or may oh, not. Sure. Oh, sure. We made it four <laughs> minutes into the podcast. You made an age joke. <laughs> That's All right. right. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Just wait for the Antichrist jokes to start popping up again. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. are next. Mm. <laughs> Anywho. Um, I've also, I also played uh, Loom, L-U-M-E, um, uh, that I purchased from and downloaded from Steam, um, which was a, a super cute game that was all done. Um, it's a flash-based game, but it was it, it was all done with like cardboard and construction paper cutouts. Um, so it's really cute, and it was kind of whimsical. Um, and I so I was kind of hooked on it, and like from, just from the looks. Um, and then I started playing it. <laughs> <laughs> I also played Loom. If you can't tell mm -hmm. by my giggle. <laughs> Well, I the, it, and, 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 and Alex can, can kind of, you know, back me up on this, but the puzzles were really obscure. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and like there, there was one puzzle, for example, like if you didn't read music, you couldn't have solved it. Um, and I haven't read music for a very long time, but I recognized the fact that I needed to read music in order to solve it. So I actually had to, you know, cheat and uh, solve that one. But then... Uh, one of the things that really pissed me off about this game was that, you know, so it starts at spoiler Grandpa's alert. house. Yeah, oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> it starts at Grandpa's house, but once you you finish the main, the, you know, your main quest at Grandpa's house, which is to get the power back on, the game ends. It's like it's like you never leave the tutorial. Right. It's, it's exactly what mm. it was. It's like you never leave the tutorial. It's like Grandpa showed up and he goes, "Oh, we're gonna have some tea." And um, and I'll tell you exactly what's going on in the next town. And then it was like, congratulations, you've, you've you know, completed. Uh, and I was like, really? <laughs> Where's the rest of the game? I want um, my yeah. $10 back. I don't think that it was sounds that like a ripoff. I think it was either 5 bucks or 8 bucks. I can't remember. It was either $4.99 or $7.99. It wasn't one of the $9.99 ones. So I wasn't as pissed off. But still, um, yeah. I was not very happy with that game. Um mm. So that was one of the games I played. I've been playing more L.A. Noir. I'm on disc three. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I got one desk to go. Um, 
So you're in the final desk? No, not yet. I got one desk to go after I finish. I think I got one case on the second to last desk and then okay. uh, the last desk. Um, and then I've also been playing Civ 5. I got pulled into that one by Alex. Um, and that was mm-hmm. one of the reasons I said, oh, I was really pissed off at Steam because I paid 50 bucks for it one day and then the next day it was on sale for seventeen ninety nine. That just um, sucks. I think they should give you your money back for that. And I was like, see, <laughs> this is the reason that, that, that digital downloads are going to piss me off in the end. Because if I bought it at the store, I could have gone back and said, I want the price difference. Because I had bought the game like 24 hours beforehand. Yeah, it was um, less than a day. That's absurd. Yeah. So, But Steam basically said you're out of luck. Um, Didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> so, I was not very happy. Um, but... I did have fun playing some some co-op Steam or some yeah some co-op Steam with Alex. I mean some co-op mm-hmm. Steam, duh, some co-op, co-op Steam with Alex and a little bit on my own. Um, but I've been playing so much other stuff that I haven't been like playing like you know seven days a week, twenty hours a day, like <laughs> some people on this mm. podcast who remain unnamed. Alex, <clears throat> you are Alex. not talking about me, <clears throat> Alex. You are just mad that I made you start a war with Vienna and got you killed. Right. She started a war with Vienna and then we made up with Vienna. And then she turned around and started permanent war with Vienna just to see what would happen. And they kept killing us. Well, first of all, I would like to reiterate the fact that you told me you had, what was it, swordsmen? And you only had spearmen? Was that what was happening? Yeah, so... Like, we can't start a war with them. They have swordsmen. You're like, I have swordsmen too. But we made up with them, Alex Lane. And then you started another war. I started another war because I thought it would be fun. Uh huh. I have no. What is wrong with the world today? Okay. Anyway, we're going to ignore Alex Lane and her civ madness. (laughs) <laughs> um, we're gonna do an intervention on that on that level. Like, say that that's the second time I've said that in this podcast. Why don't you? Why don't you go ahead and see if you can catch me? <laughs> There's Wi-Fi everywhere these days. <laughs> mm. So, but the other game, and I think it's about the last game that I've been playing in the last two weeks, um, is an XBLA game um, by Supergiant Games. Is Bastion? This is the best twelve hundred. 1,200 points I have ever spent on XBLA. Hmm. Um, it's an action-adventure kind of game. Um, it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, the soundtrack is awesome. Uh, the music is... I, I, I was sharing one of the songs with Alex and Sarah before we started, uh, before we started recording... Um, it's the, the, the song that's, um, that's the back, it's kind of the background music for one of the, one of the levels that you play. And it was beautiful and haunting and very, very well done. Um, and I've, I saw online that someone said the soundtrack is almost a character in itself. And that is mm. the perfect way to describe it. Um, it was most, it was and is most awesome. Um, I don't know how far I am into the game. I think some people say it takes about 10 hours to finish the first story, the first, the first wave of the story. Um, 
and I think I'm probably about halfway through, if not a little bit more. Um, but I am really looking. This game has a lot of replay value for me, um, simply because you can you can make it more difficult um, and play it in different ways. But it's also good, a game that's going to come up uh, more later on, so I'm not going to talk about it too much now and 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 start my um, orgy love fest um, for Bastion <laughs> at this point. <clears throat> So, mm. but that's about what I've been playing for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. All right, sweet. I'll go next. I have been playing it a lot. Also, I played Loom, um, which the puzzles were pretty obscure, and, and I have I have patience for pretty games, um, but not that much patience. It was sort of irritating. Um, and I had just come out of finishing Tiny Bang Story, which was phenomenal. I know I talked about it a little bit on the last mm-hmm. podcast, but it is like, it, that game was just incredible. So I was hoping for another game like that. And so Loom was sort of a letdown, which is unfortunate because it was really pretty. But you can't just have one level, right? And like a Tiny Bang Story, there were puzzles that opened puzzles that opened puzzles, but there was mm-hmm. never a confusion about like, what the heck you were supposed to do as in as 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 with loom like you pick up an item and you play for you know a half hour and you still have no idea like what you're supposed to be doing like i was just walking around clicking forever so maybe i'm an idiot or maybe that game is a little too over the top but anyway tiny bang story i finished and it was totally incredible and i recommend getting that it's only 10 bucks um I've also played on my phone. I've played some Fourth and Battery's Unpleasant Horse, per Samantha's recommendation, which was super fun. And although I fall into the meat grinder a lot, let's see. That's part of our. Uh, that's going to be part of our upcoming segment on indie games. So we'll, so we'll see that pretty soon. Um, I've been playing Sub Five, obviously, per all of the jokes. I bought um, two expansions, the Polynesian expansion and then the uh, Spain and Inca expansion. Um, the Polynesia one was really great, not because the um, the s- culture you get with it, but because of the scenario is super fun. Um, the Mongolian scenario on there I think is really hard. If you guys have played that, that one's really hard. This Polynesian one is not as hard. Um, but it's just, it's just pretty, f- it's just pretty fun. Um, you get some new cool things like Moai statues and stuff that give you culture. So that was pretty cool. And I've been whooping up on Sam and some one-on-one, uh, <laughs> play. You could, come on, come on now. So, and also, uh, since it went down to 17 bucks for a while, uh, a few of our friends bought it. So we're going to be doing some four-player, which is maybe for PC gamers isn't a big deal, but for Mac players who can't get uh, a co-op game going, um, we're going to get four players on this on this as soon as I'm done with my prelims coming up here. So I'm very excited about that. I also, I'm going to have to take like water or something. I've been playing lots of games. Um, I have also been playing a game, Frisbee, on the iPhone, which has been really cool. It's sort of like a uh, cut the ropes um, on the iPhone, if you guys ever played that. Um, so that's been pretty fun. You like throw a frisbee and you try to get it through these hoops. It's actually kind of like Sonic. Uh, mm. You would hate it, Sam. <laughs> and um, I just played last night for the first time and am now obsessed with Pac-Man Championship Edition mm. um, that you can download on XBLA. It is freaking incredible. Okay, so imagine Pac-Man, except that right before you get eaten by a ghost, everything slows down. It's like... 
do, do. So it like gives you right when you're about to die, it like gives you that ex- that was like a slow heartbeat, by the way. If you guys can mm. figure out what that I was. thought it was beatboxing. No, I wasn't okay. beatboxing again. Okay. Um, so it like it slows down. So you have like that extra second to make a decision about which way to go. Um, so I sat down on my friend's um, Xbox who had been he had been playing it for like, I don't know, a week or so. He'd been telling me about it, telling me about it. He's like obsessively playing it, right? And I sit down and I get 1,000 below his high score, just my first time playing through it. And I was like, this is this game was made for me. It was so yeah. incredible. Um, so I'm going to be downloading that tonight on my own Xbox. And uh, so that's all I've been playing this week. But my new mission, and Sam knows this, and it's, I'm probably going to drag into it, uh, play an indie game, a new indie game for every episode. Because I'm all about the indie games right now. So that's my new mission. Wow. That's it. That's all I have to say. Wow. Yeah. Take that. Well, take that indeed. Um, Well, after the last podcast, I was so intrigued by Samantha's uh, description and um, all that went into the El Shaddai Rise of the Metatron. Is that what it is? Or Mm -hmm. I can't think of the exact colon title. But... um, Anyway, so I downloaded the demo and I played it myself and I saw, you know, um, the hotified fallen angels and I beat a bunch of villains and I couldn't get past this one guy so I finally called it a day. But I think I was kind of climbing some sort of ladder towards heaven is all I can figure out. Um, Staircase is what I was doing and I was defeating um, some sort of, you know, enemies, whatever. They were were like mini boss battles. as I progressed up the staircase, but I thought that the graphics were fabulous. And, um, like you said, it was interesting, especially given our topic. And then I, so I played that. And then, um, I, after having played LA Noir, I had never completed Red Dead Redemption. So I was like, I'm going to go back to my, my Western. So I saddled up again and, um, rode my horse through the desert. And I was like, wow. L.A. Noir made it so much better when you could just like hit Y and make your partner drive. Because I was like, I'm getting lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, this looks like the same damn cactus. You know, I'm like, I'm so pissed <laughs> off. And then I have to go get these, you know, these uh, outlaws, and they keep killing me because I just like to go in with guns blazing. And I, I've haven't progressed past now since this bounty that I'm after, and I was so irritated. Anyway, I, I hate, I hate that part of it was you have to keep driving or riding your horse through all these different places because I can get lost crossing the street in real life I don't need a game to help me you know get turned around so anyway I went back to Red Dead Redemption because I wanted to finish that and then um, uh, I also played a little game online called um, God's Playing Field and it starts out with this guy and he's got a little visitor tag and he's up in heaven and he's talking to God and he's like uh, you know, I, I have a question, and God's like, well, what, what? And the guy's like, well, my best friend died, and I want to know why. And God's like, you know what? I could tell you, but, and then he takes a nap. Well, this guy finds God's computer that's still logged in, and he goes over, and he starts messing around with Earth. And as you progress through your points, you can get lightning bolts, and you can have a giant fist, and you can have a tsunami, and the final, final of all, is that you have a nuclear warhead where you can just destroy and obliterate the Earth. Which, in and of itself, is fascinating because, you know, he wants to know why his friend died, and yet you are, you know, you as him are perpetrating this mass 
destruction of all these people. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, it's oddly cathartic in a weird way. And um, I was enjoying killing all these people in their cars. And uh, I didn't mind at all pressing the button and having a nuclear warhead. And then, you know, God wakes up and he's like, what's going on? And this guy's like, oh, whatever. And he fakes God out. So God gets in this elevator. And anyway, this kid ends up in heaven is sort of, I guess, we're supposed to assume the next God, you know, anyway. Uh, it was very simple, but yet I was enjoying it to the point where I played it quite a bit. Maybe it was because I'd been grading a lot and I was enjoying my mass destruction. I don't know if I'm out aggression uh, or what. But anyway, um, I played that and also in kind of preparation for for our religion and games. I thought that would be interesting. Um, so, yeah, that's what I played. Cool. Yeah, that sounds interesting. It was fun. <laughs> twisted way yeah um one thing i I should have mentioned probably in this segment is the new humble bundle that came out um Mm -hmm. that i will be picking up i don't sam you said you probably weren't going to yeah yeah Um, the last couple um this one probably not you can just go to humblebundle.com it's a a bunch of indie games uh that get together and you can buy the the a whole package of them there's uh seven of them and then you get a a free two weeks of Minecraft with this one. And um, it, the money goes to charity. Um, so it's pretty cool. And it's, a uh, it's um, what's it called when you can play on whatever system you want? DRM free. Um, uh, so the games on this new Humble Bundle are Cran Physics Deluxe, which, uh, Sam, you, you researched that one a little bit. How did that one look? Um. They were, they were all the crayon physics games. They were all pretty cool. They're, they, I think most of them in this, in this bundle are physics-based games. Right. Um, and they look like good games, to be perfectly honest. But the, yeah. the only ones in the, in the bundle that I would actually want, I already own, which is why I'm not buying mm-hmm. them. Right. I want COGS. COGS is in there. And I already um, own that. That looks like kind of a fun game. And then there's VVVVV. Yeah. <laughs> v. There's six Vs there. <laughs> Um, and then Hammer Fight, um, and Yet It Moves, EFF, and Child's Play. And then, like I said, you get two weeks of, uh, Minecraft for free. So, mm-hmm. or you, you to play it till August 14th. So you get to kind of pay whatever amount of money you can, um, and get this, and it's for a good cause. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Rocket. Cool. That's awesome. all. Next yeah. is, uh, What You Reading. Um, I haven't been reading a lot, I'll say that. Um, and, uh, well, well, I have been reading a lot. Um, <laughs> let me, let me, let me, let me, let me say this. Um, I've been reading a lot of master's theses. <laughs> um, and, and stuff like that. Nothing, um, published per se. Um, I did read, um, oh, here we go. Anders Bering Bravik's or sections of his, he's the, the Norwegian um, massacre guy. Um, I read sections of his manifesto um, that I'll talk more about in a couple of minutes, but I did read sections of his manifesto, which is a monstrous document in and of itself. Mm. Um, so I have been doing some reading, but not a whole lot. That, well, the, the, the Norwegian guy's uh, manifesto had a little bit to do with games, so we'll talk more about that when we get ready mm-hmm. to talk about our main issue. What about you guys? 
Um, I haven't been really reading anything. I've read uh, some blogs, like usual. One blog that really caught my attention is on the Border House blog. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wrote an article about um, about hair, like people's hair, um, and like the mechanics with it and the politics of like making different hairstyles in games. And I thought it was just fascinating, like about how the different um, races are portrayed differently using mechanics of hair. Yeah. I was just, it was very, very good. So I'll, uh, That's I'll interesting. give that. I got to pick that. Yeah. I that one. I'll send, uh, I'll put the link in, um, the Google doc here and they talk about like Sims and how like the different mods for hair, um, were created. And yeah, I think it's just really, I mean, they, they talk about like a lack of diversity, um, in hair, mm-hmm. right? Well, in the industry as a whole, but especially in hair. Um, cause even if you choose to be like, a different race that has different type of hair, you can't, you're, you don't, you're not allowed to like, you don't ever get the chance to have that type of hair. So it sort of norms what hair should look like, which we've been talking about actually a lot recently, haven't we, Sam? Yeah. Is that with you? Okay. Well, um, so, so, so it's sort of interesting. Um, well, so people had to make mods for it, but yeah. Well, we've talked about it before cause we talked about, um, we talked about my, uh, my wild character, Shaquanda and her hair. Um, mm-hmm. And um, actually, I noticed something similar when they when um, they were doing the vote for your um, the vote for your favorite fem chef avatar. Oh, sure. Because they're, sure, they're going to put cause they're going to put um, a female shepherd on the on the cover of Mass Effect Three. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have vote for your favorite fem chef, and one of the one of the. Um, one of the avatars was um, dark complected, um, apparently African American, and she had a very kind of urban black girl hairstyle, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. which is pretty interesting. Which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I'll definitely want to check that one out. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it was really interesting. So, cool. That's all I've been reading. I'm just like bits and pieces. Well, <laughs> I guess that's not entirely true. I've been reading hardcore for prelims, but yeah. As usual, no one's going to want to hear about that. So, moving on. <laughs> oh, well, that that moves on to me. Well, I, I, I have been teaching nonstop this summer, as you guys both know, and uh, so my attention has been mostly directed to to research argument papers for 102 English 102 Composition Two, um, particularly this week. But uh, I was reading articles and news stories. Um, and I've been, you know, reading as much as I could about religion and games, uh, just from what I could find on the lo- on uh, internet, you know, and um, checking out various blogs, like you guys said. So um, nothing formalized, you know, nothing, you know, published uh, per se. But I have been reading a lot of articles that I thought just in mass were very interesting. So um, I know it sounds maybe kind of a cop out, but I think if someone googled religion and games, there's tons of really neat articles that will come up that I don't know are worth the time to, to look over yeah there's some good stuff out there about it I think mm-hmm. just the games in general people are really thoughtful about the stuff they write about at least mm-hmm. the stuff that um, the type of places that I read at some of them I won't go to mm-hmm. looking at you destructoid <laughs> <laughs> sorry I got a problem with one of their writers anywho, anywho. agreed <laughs> all right uh, so our next favorite, our next favorite um, is what you drinking. 
I'm drinking nothing. I can go. Nothing. Drinking nothing? I sh- like I said, I just ate an entire box of mad mushroom breadsticks. I can't eat or drink anything right now. I'm stuffed. So, I, I actually, we tried this week. I can say we tried the three new IPAs from uh, um, LBC, the brew, uh, local brewing company here. Uh, uh, and they, they were all pretty bad. So, oh, nice. sorry. They just weren't. But one was, one was, one was fine. The golden lady was okay, but the other two were really bad. So, oh, yeah. that's that's ugly. Um, well, I have uh, some country time lemonade that may or may not have some vodka in it. What kind um, of vodka? It is. I bought a little baby one uh, mm-hmm. in preparation for our podcast. I thought, you know, well, I'm going to go out and get something this time. So I got me a little um, twelve dollar Belvedere. Fancy pants. That's right. So, there you go. I don't know if I've ever had Belvedere, so like I thought wax your mustache and put some put some tobacco yeah. in your pipe. Um, smooth, yeah. So I thought, well, if I'm gonna try it, I might as well get a cheapy one and see what it's like. So, no complaints so far. Yeah, Belvedere and Grey Goose would be my probably my favorites. Mm-hmm. I love Grey Goose. And yeah, Cattle I love the goose. Love the see, goose. Kettle One. I used to I used to drink Kettle One. I can't drink it anymore after 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 Grey Goose is my like. Favorite, favorite. So after starting mm-hmm. to drink Grey Goose, I can't drink Kettle One anymore. It, it's a good point. It is a good point. There used to be a bar, um, kind of by where one of, where uh, our cabin was, um, called Carlsona, and they sold. Um, it was a bar, but they also sold off-sale liquor because it was like way up in the woods of Minnesota and no one was around. And uh, they sold like uh, regular liters of Grey Goose, and I think it was like fifteen bucks or eighteen bucks or something. Oh wow! So we would go up there and buy wow. their entire stock. Yeah. Every time we went up there. So we'd come home with like six bottles of Grey Goose. It was incredible. And then it burnt down. And it was the saddest oh. moment. That's where Mike proposed to me. Probably oh. because he was so drunk on cheap Grey Goose. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a sad moment. Well, this served um, you well. I know. <laughs> you got yourself a husband. You've been drunk for like two years. Oh, you mean about the husband. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Because <laughs> I'm not in, in big, I'm not big on husbands, but he's pretty good. I like him. <laughs> he's a real, he's a real nice guy. Yeah. He's keeping the dogs quiet. They were going crazy earlier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sam. <laughs> um, yeah, I've become a creature of habit. No, but my my I'm drinking my my usual summer drink at this point, um, which <laughs> is it's a variation on the sneaky sneaky this week. It is um, Fireflies Lemon Sweet Tea Vodka uh, and mm. um, Santa Cruz Organic Lemonade. That's what I'm drinking. That sounds so good. Oh, it sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Make you girl strong. That's right. Make you strong like bull. Like bull. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? Why do I know that? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, I just snorted. <laughs> oh snort. my god, you just snorted! <laughs> yes! That's the first snort of the podcast. Oh. That's right. Somebody wasn't recording when I snorted earlier. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So did we cover everybody? Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um... I'm going to say, let's save the news for last so we have enough time to cover our main yeah, issue this week. 
Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I think our, our topic this week is we're going to go back to religion and games and talk specifically about um, certain games and, and look at and think about how religion operates. And one of the things that I started to think about when thinking about religion and games this week um, was I started to contextualize it in terms of um, the the manifesto of the Norwegian um, bomber slash shooter um, Anders Bering Bravik, who mm-hmm. we're going to call it from mm-hmm. this point on because we couldn't. I, we were looking earlier for the the proper pronunciation of his name, and none of the newscasters actually said his name. <laughs> Um, so we, we started calling him he who must not be named. Um, and so that I don't slaughter his name over and over again, I may actually call him that. Um, but we, we, I started thinking about it in that context um, simply because um, I read part of his manifesto um, after reading <clears throat> um, a post on Michael Abbott. He's the brainy gamer. Um, on his on his blog that actually I think came through on Google Plus he posted it to Google Plus as well um, mm-hmm. and it was the mention of the fact that the media was really going hard after the fact that somewhere in his manifesto um, Bering Bravik said that he had used um, Modern Warfare Two um, mm-hmm. as a scenario as a scenario simulation for his shootings. Um, which I thought was was really interesting. Um, but one of the things that got glossed over in that whole conversation, because of course it's glamorous and wonderful and sexy to talk about the fact that, you know, um, that a, a, a modern terrorist is using video games as, um, as a simulator. Um, shooters are the, are the genre that usually kind of bear the brunt of these, of these accusations, um, whenever these come, when, whenever these come about, but what doesn't come out is the fact that if you actually read, and I did go through, um, I went through specifically to read that section, but then I ended up reading a couple of other things, um, a couple of other lengthy sections of the manifesto, which is, like I said, a huge and heinous document. Um, but, what Baring Bravik says is that he used the he used modern warfare, um, not necessarily as a simulator, but he sees the value in a game like Modern Warfare Two as a simulator. But he also says, but he prefers games that are he prefers RPGs like like um, Dragon Age Origins. Um, but of course, since mm-hmm. Dragon Age is is an RPG and RPGs are not known for being or not as infamous, shall we say, as first person shooters. Um, this doesn't make the news, right? So he, there is no, but then at the same time, so while he mentions video games in the very same, in the very same section, in the very same paragraph, even he says, so, you know, while I'll say that these were good for, you know, some kind of, for some, for simulation in some way, excuse me, that the only, um, true means of training yourself for this kind of operation is to go to a gun range. That was not mentioned one time in any media coverage that mm. I ever saw. You know, because yeah. nobody wants to piss the NRA off, right? And start talking about, you know, well, gun ranges. This is where this guy really trained and this is where he kind of really like, you know, cut his chops and this is what we really should be looking at, right? No, 
that never comes out. So let's do the thing that is sexiest to do, which is what? Blame video games. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, it's, you know, blaming video games so sexy and edgy and, and it plays on people's fears. And like, hey, let's talk about the fact that he owned a bunch of guns and went to the gun range and shot them all the time. I'm sure that has mm. nothing to do with the fact that he went and shot a bunch of people, you know? Right. Like, it, it's, that's not nearly as edgy to, to mention, but whatever. Right. I mean, because, you know, I enjoy shooting people in, in shooters just as much as the next guy. Um, and, and I'm unbothered by it, you know, in most cases anyway. But I really can't see myself going out shooting a bunch of innocent kids. You know, I hate is- guns. So I'm, yeah, I'm with you. But I don't mind shooting some, some pixels. Yeah, right. I mean, but, you know, we don't, we don't have, yeah. we don't have some other kind of you know, mental defect going on, which I think is really necessary in these cases. And I've said that before. Is that, you oh, know, absolutely. I, I don't think that absent mental defect, people can use video games to train themselves to kill actual human beings. Well, I mean, I guess when I read that, I don't mean to interrupt you per se, but when I read it, I, I thought, it's, again, this is not the game that is at fault. Mm-hmm. Okay, this man was, was, was ill. This man had skewed ideas. And he sought out a game. Right. So, I mean, it goes back to that whole idea. I mean, the game didn't warp him. Mm-hmm. The game itself isn't warped. Right. You know, it, it's the same. You know, he's using the game for heinous ends. Whatever, maybe. You know, like, well, this is training. You know, but you said, well, it wasn't adequate enough. Well, any gamer will tell you that. These, I've had students in class tell me. They're like, no, it's not just picking up a real gun. You know, it, it's a totally different experience. Right. So, and even in Duck Hunt, when yeah. you were picking up a real gun, it's still a totally different experience. Well, not a real. Yeah, gun. I mean, like you said, I mean, it, it, it's like like Samantha said. I mean, it's sexy. It's popular right now. It's gonna get them, the, you know, the news. People will read it because oh, hysteria over video games. But no, I mean, it doesn't validate it at all. You know. And then okay, now I'm gonna do the thing that I always do, and I'm 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 famous for at this point. So Alex, is devil's probably, advocate. Alex is gonna laugh. I'm gonna play devil's advocate. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't want her to be playing devil's advocate on you in a class. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> you know you're about to get a uh, to get slapped verbally, of course. <laughs> so you know, and and that is truly the way that I feel about, you know, games and and violence in in the real world. But at the same time, if we are going to interrogate the possibilities of games, Mm -hmm. shouldn't we as game researchers, game theorists, um, digital humanists be the ones doing this interrogation um, and not leaving it to you know, and not leaving it to the media who's automatically going to skew mm-hmm. toward the sexy. Um, because, well, yeah. That's a great point. I, I mean, I think that, you know, even though I am a lover of games, I think that I can still be objective. Because mm-hmm. I still think, I think and talk critically about games all the time. And I think about what I want my kid to play this. You know, what are some of the, what are, what are some of the possibilities, right, of using well, games for evil? Yeah. Well, well, and I think you're absolutely right. We should be the ones interrogating. And I think what well, we are interrogating, and we're saying in this instance, it's just simply not valid. Mm-hmm. But I do think it is hypocritical to say you have edutainment games that can help educate, expand minds. You know, I, I, I said the news article about Deep Rock, you know, she, whatever, I can't think of his last name. Okra. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
and, and, and how these, these games can be used to expand our, our awareness. Okay, so to say that they influence on that level, it's it's disingenuous to say they won't influence influence us on a darker level. Right. But in this instance, I mean, I, it simply was not a matter of influence. It was a matter of him thinking a game would aid his cause. And in fact, like you said, it, it, it was lacking and didn't work out. So we are looking at it, I think, intelligently and discounting it. Mm-hmm. But we're not against serious inquiry where it is. I mean, we, we're not going to say it doesn't because it it must. Right. right. And, and we've had positive. this discussion, I think, even on this podcast before about yeah. that you can, in one hand, say it teaches learn, you know, things in learning and math or whatever. We're talking about education, educational games. And then turn around and say, well, it has no influence on right. all right. this other stuff. But I, I think what we have sort of at least somewhat come to the agreement before when we talk about that is we talk about peripheral activities, what's seen as normed. And that's where I think re- people in rhetoric especially can have a lot of influence on how we talk about these games. Is it's not necessarily the fact that you're pulling a trigger. It's, you know, what, what race are you? What gender are you? Mm-hmm. You know, what, you know, what sort of landscape are you in? Like it's these peripheral things that just are seen as, well, of course, I'm a white male shooting. That's just how it is, right? Like those are the things I think that are far more dangerous than like whatever surface act that you're doing. Well, and right? to connect it to our, to our topic tonight, it also comes down to what are your social, cultural, and religious beliefs, right? Because I mean, that mm-hmm. was a lot of what was behind what this maniac did in the first place, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and, I mean, he was kind of, you know, he is very, he's this very right wing um, kind of, uh, I want to say almost kind of a neo-separatist, um, mm-hmm. anti-Muslim, um, and I'm using scare quotes here, pro-Christian, um, mm-hmm. you know, pro-Christian maniac is what he is. Um, yeah, but, extremist, right? I mean, extremist, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I won't call him a maniac. Extremist. Um, okay, well, obviously he's a freaking maniac, <laughs> but we're trying to be, yeah, whatever. Rhetorical. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But, so I yeah, mean, you do have to look at all those other so, factors. I mean, yeah. I think that this is one of the interesting things that comes across when we start looking at religion in games, right? I mean, because because we've talked, like last time we talked a little bit about how we saw religion operating in games. Um, but I think that religion operates in games, and we mentioned this last time, but we didn't really talk about it, but it operates in games in some very interesting ways, especially when it comes to non-Christian religions, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Pagan. When it comes to... Well, I won't say pagan, but I'll say non-Christian, because I mean yeah. there there are some 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 there are non-Christian religions that are not pagan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but so but pagan religions as well, right? But they they come across in some interesting ways, and even um, this is our great segue, right? Even um, and I talked last time about mm-hmm. Dragon Quest Nine. Um, which was which was a good representation in many ways of Judeo-Christian religion, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where you know you play a fallen angel, basically, um, who is not fallen because of anything that you have done, but because of something else interesting going on. So there might be some spoilers here. So we'll say spoiler alert up front mm-hmm. um, because I have a bad habit of starting spoiler. to talk about stuff and not saying that first. Um, but Just spoiler alert for anything that could ever be spoiled. Right. Okay? Well, exactly. No, this yeah. all happens within like the first 10 minutes, which is basically a series of cutscenes. Ah, oh, fair enough. Okay. Um, so you play um, this guardian angel um, who is protecting humans and what was on earth that is called the protectorate. 
um, in the game. Um, and you, um, you protect folks, you, you know, help them find lost items that help soothe their souls in some way. Um, you also, you know, help ferry the dead over into the afterlife, right? You tell dead folks they're dead, you know, these dead souls walking around, Mm. but they're dead. Um, so you do all these different things, um, and you collect benevolence, right? As you do these things, and benevolence is the 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 ethereal manifestation of human gratitude, is what it is. Um, and you take all this benevolence back up to the um, upper realm um, where all the guardians live, and you you feed them to this this uh, tree, um, this holy tree that's like the tree of life, I suppose. And benevolence helps this golden fruit to tr- to grow on the tree. But once the the, the the story is, or the myth is, or the, the, the tale is, once the tree bears fruit again, um, what will happen is, like, um, the, um, what do they call it? It's like the Celestial Express. So the, 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 the <laughs> God train, because, because where the guardian <laughs> angels are is like this, this, uh, this, this quasi-heavenly quasi space between heaven and earth, right? But... But it's like the uh, the guardian angels are serving their time anyway, right? Because they're they're trying to get back up to like heaven, heaven where God is. But they've got to they've got to make this tree bloom before they can do this. Before God sends this train down, it's going to take them back up to heaven. So you know, pretty much. I mean, and it's it's interesting because it says a lot about religion and the way people people the way people read religion and read Christianity when it says, okay, so we have these guardian angels that are supposed to be watching over, you know, watching over people because they're these heavenly creatures. But at the same time, they're, when they're up in the, in their, in their little realm, they're like, yeah, these humans, they're such freaking idiots. You know, they're always, you know, they they believe in us, but they can't see us. They're always like, yeah, can you see us? And oh, is anybody there? Blah, blah, blah. Look how stupid they are. Right. <laughs> and so what happens is, is once they finally connect, collect enough benevolence to make this tree bloom, the Celestial Express comes down on this, you know, on this shining, on these shining tracks and the damn thing blows up and blows the entire space to hell. What? So they all fall <laughs> <laughs> and they fall to earth and they have no memory. But what you know you have to do is, is as this fallen angel, you now have to redeem yourself in the eyes of God, seemingly, in order to actually make it up to heaven. Yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> that is 100% yeah. effing crazy. I mean, but mm-hmm. what, seriously, when you think about that, if you want to talk about, if you ta- want to talk about what this says about religion, this this is a definitely a game that's dealing with Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. But what is yeah. it saying about Christianity, right? It's definitely kind of a critical take it's, on... It seems on very who, critical. ...on who, quote, unquote, <laughs> and scare... Once again, I'm using scare quotes, Christians are, right? These people who think that they can make it to heaven through works, but are still... But are so... You know, kind of, but they're so condescending in their actions and in their words when, with the people that they're supposed to be happy to help. Mm-hmm. Right? right? And they get bashed to hell, right? <laughs> Pretty much because... They- fall to earth with the people that they hate most <laughs> and it's hilarious when you start to think about it so that is just crazy it is, it's pretty crazy 
is pretty crazy, which I think mm. is an awesome game. I mean, and even for folks who, who consider themselves Christian, who are looking for games to play or looking for games for their kids to play, I think it's a great game mm. because it actually makes you question not necessarily biblical text, but the actions of individuals who consider themselves Christians anyway. Mm. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to be seeing a lot of, actually, I think we are seeing a lot more of that sort of critical, like as uh, Christianity kind of at one time comes more into the mainstream through like tea partiers and stuff, like as far as like Christian extremists, and then also sort of like falls out um, of like, uh, uh, of the of the media's eye, like for like moderate religious people. Um, I wonder if we're going to be seeing more sort of critical engagement with um, some of the tenets of Christianity. Well, I think what we're going to see, and we've, because, I mean, I'm going to make a blanket statement here. Okay. You know, we had 9-11. Okay. We we saw what a strong extremist zealot sect can do. We're very cautious. We're very conscious of it in our own, you know, at home, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, Hindu, Muslim, whatever, Zealots and extremists are scary. Oh yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. And so I think I think you will see an interrogation of people on the fringe because we've been damaged by them. We continue to be the the guy in Norway, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's not okay. That's not where most of us are. So I mean, it, it's a it's a worthy interrogation, and we're all f- kind of frightened by them worldwide because they're loose cannons. Well, and I, and and I think like there's there's like this inherent sort of like uh, impulse to protect the things you believe in. So if you believe in For a particular sure. relig- religious view, of course you don't want to see it being made well, fun right. of and taken out of context right. and things like that. But I think what's really important to mention is in the game that Sam, you were describing, it sounds really like it's extremism, right? And sort of like calling into question who really is part of this religion and believing it's, it's tenants, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how, and how people who claim to be a part of this religion, you know, can actually become antithetical to the tenets of the religion itself. Right. Right. Yeah. Which I think is really, I think it's brilliant. Um, and, and, and I, you know, can't hope but think and believe that that was intentional, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, so it it was, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Um, I really like that game. Mm -hmm. I put a lot of time into it. Um, when I was playing it the first time through, um, and then I started playing it. I didn't, when I say pl- first time through, I don't say, I don't mean to say that I finished it. I just spent a whole lot of time playing it. Um, and then <laughs> moved on to something else, but I picked it up again and I was telling analysis this week and I was like, yeah, I want to see, I want to play through the first part of it again so I can see that play out again, but I don't want to like have to like, I don't, I don't want to like play over my save slot <laughs> right. and, and lose the, the hundred plus hours I put into it the first time through. Um, so I, I, I cheated and, and, and watched, um, the, the gameplay through for the first part of it again, uh, on YouTube. Um, and then just played some more dragon, some more dragon quest nine all on Mm -hmm. my own. Um, (laughs) but no, I think it's pretty interesting. It's really interesting. Well, it's a really complex critique that I don't even know if a, if a textual analysis... I mean, I think it could achieve, but, I mean, there's something more visceral or something more tactile about playing it yourself, experiencing yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost like making it experiential makes it almost better than 
just purely academic. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Absolutely. And, I think I think that's really important with games. Yeah, I think so. Too. Yeah. I'm gonna throw one more thing out there, and then I'm gonna let, I'm gonna go ahead and let Alex go. Even though I have like tons, I I have tons to say about <laughs> religion and games. Um, I know if we weren't all so dang long winded all the time, we'd have more time to talk about the topic. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll do a wrap up in the next in the next segment too. But I'll, I'm yeah. just gonna talk about Bastion a little bit um, because uh, I'm 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 having a, I'm having a love fest with this game right now because it's beautiful. The soundtrack's great. The gameplay's great. Um, and there's some fun stuff going on with culture and religion in Bastion as well. Um, Supergiant Games just really just knocked this one out of the fucking ballpark, I tell you. Um, but Bastion deals with religion in a really interesting way. Um, and, and this is pretty short because it's just a, a specific segment of the gameplay. Um, in a nutshell, Bastion is a game where you play you play this character called the kid and that is all he's called. Um, and the entire game is narrated by this really great voice. Um, that's very kind of deep and raspy and it reminds me of kind of a generic Samuel L. Jackson mm -hmm. without the person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm uh, tired of these snakes on this plane. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and go to have to sleep. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that's which is which really wants me to have like a, a narrator for everything I do in my daily life just to make it more interesting. Um, but the, the narration is really well done because it narrates things as you do them. And there's there's a myriad of, of, of choices that you can make, but they've gone through and they've actually done the narration for all of those choices. So there's no repeating of there's no repeating of, of like the narration texts. Right. And it actually says, so if you stop for a while and you just start bashing stuff, he'll say something. The narrator will say something like, well, the kid stops to just rage for a while, mm. you know, or if you're, you know, you're shooting, you're shooting um, squirts or, or gas bags or whatever, whatever your enemy that you're killing at that moment are. Yeah. And they'll say and the narrator will say something like and he stops and he shoots all of the gas bags. But one squirt takes him down. Right. So it's really interesting because it actually narrates gameplay as it happens, which is phenomenal. Um, hmm. Like I said, you got to if you haven't played it yet, even if you don't want to buy it for the twelve hundred Microsoft points, which translates into 15 real dollars. Um, go ahead and download the demo. Um, it gives you a good feel for the game, but I pretty much guarantee you once you play that demo, you're going to want to buy the game. Um, so mm. just be forewarned. <clears throat> um, but the, in terms of religion, the really, oh, oh, I should also say this. So what the kid is doing is rebuilding his world, which is the bastion that's mm -hmm. been destroyed by this, this event that's called the calamity so far. Like I said, I think, I think I may be wrong. I'm about halfway through the game so far and I still don't really know what the calamity is or was. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Which is really interesting. Um, but the, the, the world literally rebuilds as you, as you walk through. So instead of, well, basically tiles that you walk through, that you walk on kind of come up from below and join the tile that you're walking on as you walk through. So you're, and it's it's really interesting because in a in a very kind of Judeo-Christian way, um, the kid seems to be a necessary component for the rebuilding of the world because 
even early on from like the first couple minutes you play, even of the tutorial or, uh, or the demo itself, there seems to be the implication that this rebuilding could not take place without the kid. That there, it couldn't just happen with any warrior who comes across. It had to be the kid in particular. So there's something about the kid. Mm. And this is, like I said, and it's really interesting because as you're rebuilding the world, you're also building the kid's story because you find these mementos um, as you as you do the different levels and you can bring them back to the narrator on the on the bastion um, on the bastion kind of main screen where you where you go out and do the different levels from. And he mm -hmm. will give you, he will divulge different parts of, of the Bastion's history based on these mementos that you bring back. So what you also have to do is you have to collect um, these, they call them cores. Um, and, and the cores will help rebuild the Bastion, um, the actual mainland. Um, so you go out and you find these, you have to kill these bad guys, find the core, bring it back, put it back together. <coughs> Put it in the monument and the, the world starts to rebuild. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it at that because it's really, really complex in terms of how it all happens. And I could sit here explaining it for a half an hour and I don't want to do that. Um, so play that the game. It sounds really interesting. It's awesome. I have to tell you. But one of the mm. things that you can build is a temple. Right. And when you're out in the, on, and you're doing the different levels, what you find are these little plushies of gods. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, plushies, uh -huh. right? So you find these little stuffed gods, right? Um, and you bring <laughs> them back and you put them in the temple. Now, so usually when you worship gods, good things happen, right? Because you're worshiping these gods. In Bastion... What happens is, and I think this is really freaking fascinating, is you do get something um, from from worshiping the god, but the the god also benefits its original people, hmm. right? So if you bring back a, a plushie and it says, well, you know, yeah, you get a little bit faster if you activate this God or you worship this God, it called, if you activate this God, right? If you activate this God or worship this God, but your enemies also get faster. Mm -hmm. So it's their way of making the game more difficult. Um, but it's a very interesting way because what it does is it does not have the God turn his back on his original people but to benefit them as well, which I think is really, really <laughs> cool in terms of gameplay, yeah. right? It's so, it's pretty unique, yeah? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. really unique because that was one of the things when I was playing through the game because this was after I had played Loom and I was really kind of pissed off at Loom because it was the game was far too easy, far too short. And I say easy mm -hmm. because it went too fast. Let me say that. I want because the puzzles were obscure, so it wasn't really easy, but it was too well, short. Well, it wasn't that it was hard. It was just that they didn't, but some of the puzzles were really stupid. Yeah. Yeah, they were stupid. <laughs> yeah, pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so when I was first playing through the game, I was like, okay, I'm really about to be pissed off because the first couple of the first couple of levels were fairly easy. But I'm a, I'm you know, um, action adventure games and action adventure games have always been my my favorite genre, and I've been playing them for thirty years. So you hmm. know, 
it was the, the first, it made perfect sense that those first couple of levels for me were like really, really simple. But I was like, you know, I'm really going to be pissed off if, if this game is this easy. Now, not only does, not only does the game get more difficult in the later levels, I think after the first six or seven levels, it really started to pick up and it got, it got a bit more difficult. And I'm sure it's going to get even more difficult because there's a lot of scaffolding going on where, you know, where you have to, you know, use various weapons and um and still be fleet of foot or use various weapons and still use your shield or use so you have to you have to scaffold your you have to scaffold your skills in the later in the later um in the later levels and then they start flipping up flipping flipping it up and then so sometimes it's like you have to use your melee weapon and your and your and your shield and sometimes you have to run and use your, you know, your range weapon. So and sometimes it's like you have to run and use your melee weapon. So they're just kind of just giving you different combinations of stuff you have to do on different levels. So it does get more difficult. But it also gets more difficult in that it gives you the choice of how difficult to make the game by which gods you worship and which ones you don't. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can go in and turn those and turn those guys off and on. And you can turn as many on or as many off as you want to. That's so. That's an interesting. Uh, aside from the religious aspect of it, but that's a, just an interesting take on like game mechanics, like not just like assuming there's a easy, medium, hard, but like that there's different elements. Exactly. Um, that make it hard. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Complex. Yeah. So those yeah, were yeah. really, really, really interesting ones for me. I have some other stuff to talk about, but I'm going to hold off on it so that we make sure that because I know Alex has some really interesting stuff to say about Civ Five. So, oh well, I, I more just have yeah some interesting some questions and stuff to bring up. Not really any. Here's was better. I'm just going to say that. Okay, so uh, Civ <laughs> uh, Five. The question I keep at, coming back to when I'm playing through Civ Five is um, how can we re- how can you represent someone's culture that's not your own culture um, or someone's religion that's not your own religion uh, without being inaccurately stereotypical or without being offensive, without being misrepresentative, without taking things that are really important to people out of context and, um, and, you know, using them for entertainment purposes when they're not, you know, they're not entertainment for some people. Um, And so I look at some things in Civ five and I can't, like I can't decide if it's if it's like too over the line, if it's misrepresentative of these cultures, if like because I you know some of the cultures I I barely know anything about, like the, for example the Mongolian culture, um, I, I and there's this thing called the Mongolian terror in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And like I don't know anything about the Mongolians, and I was like, wow, that's really offensive, and then I did a little bit of research, and I find uh, I found out that um, there there was this. Um, tactic that mongolians used this is supposed you know this is who really knows but this is what the the history books say um that there was like this surrender or die strategy that a lot of the mongolian invaders really did live by and um and so like this mongolian terror piece of civ 5 is based on that and I just, I don't know what I think about that. Like, on one hand, I'm like, well, you know, it's probably way out of context and, you know, not really what that, you know, and, and history books, of course, are written by the people who win. So, it's you know, but but at the same time, like, it, it, you know, where do we, how do we react to things like that? Or, or for example, one that's uh, 
that's interesting is Montezuma and uh, the Incas and their sacrificial captives is part of their, um, is like a, a trait of theirs. They get, I, I think it's extra culture um, from sacrificing, from having a sacrificial captive. And, um, and I think from, from the research that I did on that is that the research is really split um, about whether or not that, that actually even happened, why it happened, um, you know, how it's been, how it could have been taken out of context. But there's also a lot of solid research that says it really did happen, but who knows? Um, there's stuff about burial tombs, about mosques, about, well, yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm, I'm curious. I mean, is, is America represented? I have not played Civ Five. I'll, I'll just out that. But uh, America, did, America is represented, right? And their their thing is and, uh, like man, well, destiny. Okay. Um, I I thought it. It seems well, like how did you this, feel about it? I mean, I mean, let let's interrogate our. I mean, how did you feel about our own depiction? Sure. So in this one, um, I thought it was a little um, a little less a little less critical than Sephora. Sephora was like America basically was willing to, or was, was trying to acquire land at any cost. Right. So like they, they were really sort of like a dominating, trying to take over the world type of culture. This one is, is pretty similar. I thought the I thought the criticisms, you know, of course were little reductive obviously because they have to be because it's in you know a a small game Mm -hmm. but um but uh but i thought they were pretty they were pretty accurate i mean you sort of have to like like especially manifest destiny like you kind of have to look at your own culture and be like wow that's Mm -hmm. you know maybe not the brightest part of our history but certainly certainly accurate in some respects so so i mean i mean could you make i mean we we don't know the other cultures but we know our own and and we know the problem is is that i imagine it's americans building this right and people from other cultures are aren't part of the process the the big the big the big thing is and this is a just kind of something to throw out there is that i think that to play devil's advocate to assume (laughs) that we would uh, that these people would automatically be portrayed unfairly because the games right. were not built by X people or Y people is right. also to assume that people can only write and theorize about themselves. That's then right. You, yeah. you, then you swerve into essentialism. Exactly. Because then that, mm. then that also, that also, you know, that also makes the assumption that only Muslims can write about Muslims in video games, so we need Muslim developers right. on every game that has Muslims in it. But then that also assumed that all Muslims are the same, right? Mm-hmm. Or only Middle Eastern folks can write about, you know, Middle Eastern folks in video games, but then you also assume, you know, to, to take it more broadly, all Middle Eastern folks are the same, because then you have Muslims and you have Christians and you have people who come from different regions, and you have people who were born in the Middle East and some people who were born in the U.S., so their cultures are different. I mean, so you have all of these different things at mm-hmm. play, but then you get, you get, I mean, so, so I think that what happens is it becomes the, the job, the task, the duty of the developer to do the research, mm-hmm. right? Just as anybody who, who writes about someone who is of a different culture than them or researches. I mean, we get well, that question all the time mm-hmm. in, in, in rhetoric. It's like, Okay, so can you know can white people do um, minority rhetoric? Can white people do um, you know minority issues in the in the field? Can white people do um, African American literature or Asian American literature? The question is, it, it is not that essential beingness 
right? Mm -hmm. But it's actual, a lot of it is actually doing the research and being objective. Sure. So we, we're gonna, so we want to start putting a standard on video games that we, sh that we also have with, with, with researched peer-reviewed books is what we're asking. I mean, you know, cause I wrote the one blog for our, for our uh, website about uh, black ops and whether it was historically accurate if they have Kennedy and everything else. Right. I mean, can we go to these games for that or are we already kind of stretching the back? We know it's going to be cartoonish. Well, you know, I mean, how much accuracy can, I mean, playing devil's advocate, I mean, like, how much accuracy can we expect from a game? How, you cartoon know? how cartoonish is it really when we're going for photorealism? How cartoonish is it accurately when people want to you know, want to be taken seriously and want to say games are art and want to say that games are, 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 are these, are these texts worthy of analysis and criticism. Mm -hmm. You have mm -hmm. to be, you have to treat them as the text that they want to be held equal to. So we want to hold them to that standard. Absolutely. Right. right. And I, and I think even like on the game developer side, um, that it's not necessarily like an academic or an intellectual standard to hold them to, but, um, you know, we've all played games that were really misrepresentative of either women or another culture or religion or whatever. Um, and then we've, I, at least I've, I've played games that were, were pretty fair, you know, that I thought were pretty objective. Um, what were you saying, Sam? It's ethical. It's not intellectual. It's not. Yeah, it's ethical. That's yeah. A, uh, yeah okay. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah, yeah. I'd buy um, that. And I was sort of like, like I was looking at this game, the Civ Five, and I was like, feel, I like, I was feeling. I don't know that much about history, so it was hard for me. But I was like feeling like when they represent the Oracle or the Sistine Chapel or Crystal Rendentor, I was thinking like I think these are. I mean, they're totally dehistoricized because you know, sometimes you build them in 1800, sometimes you build them in 400 BC. But, but like, I thought they were reasonably accurate. And then I was thinking, like, was that sort of assumptive of me and my crappy knowledge of history that I'm just getting stereotypes? So that's when I started doing some research. And mm -hmm. I don't know. It seems like it's pretty. So accurate. it did. It did compel you to look on, look into things on your own. So there was a positive kind of result that's right but i don't know i'm not religious i don't know how i would feel about something that was like deeply religious to me being sacred something sacred something sacred that could be put in you know i, I don't know though so well, i'd be like if they had jesus like high-fiving people down you know i mean i don't know but i mean jesus would be i would think christianity is the most sacred element I, I guess, yeah. But, I mean, there's bobblehead Jesuses all over. I mean, you know, it's just, it comes with your Yeah, there really life. is. So, I mean... I yeah, have a I mean, dashboard Jesus in my office. <laughs> you do not have a dashboard Jesus. I have a dashboard Jesus okay. in my office. Okay, you cannot yell at me for making fun of you about your crazy churchness. Because <laughs> you have a bobblehead Jesus. You've hey, just I don't have a bobblehead that. Jesus. I well, I just get to make fun of you anyway. But... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because I'm the Elizabeth Hasselbeck. <laughs> but I was, like, thinking, like, there's nothing I hold sacred enough that I would be really offended if it was taken, to, you know, out of context. Really? Nothing? I don't know. Maybe, like, Smalls. Well, but probably something... <laughs> Probably, there, I bet there would be something that you hold dear. I mean, certainly your your political values, something that you value. If you saw it mocked, I mean, you, you react. You know. Well, I see, I, I guess yeah. I am but, not. I am not the typical quote unquote Christian. Um, in, right. In that, in that, I don't see. You're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't see. 
I don't see Christianity as being this this separatist thing, right? And I think no, that that's yeah. the that's been the the biggest problem with most with most quote unquote Christianity, right? Is that it does want to be separate. It does want to separate itself from. It wants to separate the haves from the have nots and say the have nots are just all going to hell, and. And, and, you know, I want nothing to do with them. But if we think about the the basic tenets of Christianity, that is not what they are, right? It's yeah, and that's, that, that's exactly where you separate Christians from Christianity. Right. Because, you know, like you said, it, almost like, you know, like you said, the, the, the people that attacked the, the, the World Trade Center, I mean, they call themselves Muslim, but there are a lot of Muslim leaders that are like, that is not our, our faith. I that, mean, separates Muslim, are that separates crazy. Muslims yeah. from Islam, right? Yeah, yeah, separation. Yeah. Once again, I mean, and that is what we have to pay attention to. I mean, and we have to pay attention to. And I think that is part of the, you know, in the same way that you can never, you're never supposed to to um, do kind of any kind of representation of of Muhammad, right? Mm-hmm. And but you see, mm-hmm. kind of, you see, kind of Jesus comics all the time, right? And I oh, think right. that if it, if what you know, am I a Am I offended if they're inaccurate? But uh, that's the academic in me wants to just be more analytical and more critical than be offended. Sure, um, right, right. I think which is also which is also another interesting thing because there, there's there's at least not a lot of academics that want to admit to Christianity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if no, I think you're right. Um, and, and but I but like I said, I think I, I'm I'm the more non-typical quote unquote Christian in that I, I, I my biggest belief is in the tenets of Christianity and not and not the trappings, right? Which yeah. I think is right, more interesting. Right, right. Which I think is is why stuff like video games and why pop culture stuff is a great way to kind of get the, the actual tenets of Christianity out there. Which I think is is mm-hmm. is, is the you know the purpose of Christianity. Which is why the games like you were talking about today have so much potential, I think, for sort of, sort of de-dogmatizing some of the stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think is, is, where, is where most people have their problem is with the dogma. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? I mean, or with the with the interpreted dogma. Inter- mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, and it's the yeah. same thing that you that we actually see in Dragon Quest Nine, right? And that's and that's what's being criticized, right? Right, is, right. Is the the quote unquote Christian who who sees every that all the works that they're doing, right, and not and not the feelings or the the feelings or the 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 religion behind them as being what's going to get what's going to get them that seat on the celestial express that That's blows right. up in their face when it actually shows up because they are just doing those works with with nothing behind them mm-hmm. right which mm-hmm. i think is absolutely fascinating it's a very interesting story which is extremely <laughs> biblical i mean you know i mean there's a verse that says that i mean you know i mean like yeah their critique is accurate that's what's fascinating to yeah. me is that yeah. by criticizing it they actually are promoting the so, actual faith so exactly. maybe we're coming to a time in games where people aren't just sort of enthralled with the medium and getting up these sort of surface level images but are putting in the time and the research i think i think especially civ has always kind of had a really I mean, they were they'd get incredibly criticized if they weren't historically accurate, right? So, or at least oh, yeah. somewhat yeah, yeah, accurate. Yeah. Because, so, have a population so think, like, that's more and more college educated. You know, I mean, sure, we expect that, more. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so maybe can. now we're getting now that maybe games are being considered more art and more textual and we things like more. that. You yeah. see more depth, like in the games 
Same and same. Yeah, and your and your average age of your gamer is now what thirty seven. Yeah, so right. Like yeah, Thank my you. age. Still so young and vibrant. It's funny because I'm the youngest of us three and I have by far the earliest bedtime. That's true. <laughs> but yes, I'm in central you. time. you got to be honest there. What's that? I'm in central. For me, it's only 11. Yeah, we'll well, I would yeah. be in bed by 11 if it wasn't podcast night. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we, uh, should we uh, move to our... To our what did you call it this week, Sam? Our deals for cheap ass gamers. <laughs> okay, cheap ass gamers, broke ass gamers. Unless yeah. there's any final thoughts we want to do on this, I. No, I think that that's good. Yeah, yeah I think I think because I think we'll probably visit this again in some way. I oh think. yeah. Um, so I think we can probably move to our because we've been talking for a while. Um, our deals. I, for know, I was just looking gamers. at the time. I do think that we should sort of do a recap. I'm gonna go think some more. <laughs> I know it's so much to talk about. There's so much to mine. Maybe but... yeah, maybe like a half on half show or something where we could do like another short recap and then yeah, maybe we should do that for next week. Start a new episode. We'll talk yeah, about yeah. so next next week. Here, here's and I'll and I'll say this again at the end. Next week we'll do a wrap up of of religion and games, and we'll talk about indie games. Yeah, indie games. That's okay. our new thing yeah. at the moment. I don't know. I th- I think I always play indie games other than my red dead redemption you have not talked about an indie game since we started playing shut up i mean you played alan wake (laughs) i played noir no i played god's playing field dude that was totally okay fair enough fair enough thank you oh i redeem myself i just like discovered indie games so i'm not trying to like be all hoity-toity about it whatever whatever okay we're talking about mainstream indie games yeah 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 all right, so so deals for cheap ass slash broke ass gamers. Um, this week at both Amazon and Best Buy, they've got a they've got select games buy one get one forty percent off. Um, Amazon also has um, and Toys R Us had a similar deal. Um, Amazon had fifty percent off select PC game downloads. Um, so they had some PC game downloads that were like three, four, five bucks. They were actually pretty decent looking games. That's fun. Um, and then Toys R Us had buy one, get one free on 3DS games. They've had that sale going a lot lately, mm-hmm. but there haven't been a really a lot of really good 3DS games. And it seems like whenever a new 3DS game that I really want comes out, that deal's not going. Um, mm-hmm. and I have no, no self-control, so I can't wait for the sale. Usually you blame your lack of self-control on me, so that was refreshing. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> not claiming that's not a totally bad influence. Shut up. Considering Emily, I don't think anybody has seen Emily Leg since she turned in her thesis in Sim 5. Right. She's been playing like 24 hours a day. You see her on I TV saw that on all, Facebook. Yep, yeah. yep. Crazy, right? Um, and it's all, it's, all, um, it's all Emily's fault. It's all Alex's fault. As usual, mm-hmm. her huge, yeah. um, and her minions, and her minions. Also at Toys R Us, um, buy one get one fifty percent off on the Wii Dance games. Um, except for I, I buy all my dance games on the Connect now because I don't have to hold a controller. That's <laughs> um, awesome. It is cool, isn't it? And then they have mm. buy one get one fifty percent off of basically was their DS, DSi, three D, um, not three DS, um, 
PSP, so all their handheld games. And I thought that was pretty cool. That's a pretty cool deal. That is a pretty cool game deal. And Alex, you got some stuff. Yeah, Steam. I don't know, they looked crappy. 50% off Dino D-Day. Along with, a, you get a free weekend to play. And then if you like it, you can buy it for 50% off. They did the same thing with some, what was that game? Aeroplane or something? Like all of a sudden it showed up on my Steam library. I was like, what the heck is this? But yeah. anyway. Uh, 66% off Runway Runway Runaway Road Adventures. Um, which, I don't know, just from like looking at it, it sort of looked like uh, the next big thing. But I don't know. I, I didn't really look into it that much. 75% off Vampire the Masquerade. Mm. Those, are th- those are the big deals. They seemed they all seemed pretty lame. Um, the mm. Humble Bundle is sort of the deal that you should do if you're looking for some games. And I also just downloaded a demo that I am really excited about. And it is called Runespell Overture. And mm. it's like, it said it's like, it's like, I think it's like poker and magic and an RPG. And I don't know, it looks kind of cool. So I'm going to hit that up because they got that up for a demo, free demo, so for Macs, which you don't get the free demos for very often. So I'm going to do that. Mm. They don't on on Steam. Yeah, you don't have Mac demos. I really wish they just had a category because you have to search through like 15 pages of demo, of the demo tab if you want to uh, find one that's for Mac too. But anyway, so yeah, that's Steam. That's Steam. Cool. Mm. Nice. Awesome. So I guess... uh, that's it for this week. Um, it's been a really interesting conversation. I had fun. Um, yeah, that was yeah. Fun. yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, next time we'll we'll talk. We'll do a wrap up of religion and games and talk about some indie games. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, Alex and I have been working on a, a video for the for the for the <laughs> for the site on um, on indie games. Um, coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> After prelims. Uh, I thought we were gonna try to get it out before prelims. Well, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> it may maybe we'll just save it and we'll release it the same time that we do the we do the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I thought that would be perfect actually for me. There we go. Um, so and we'll for me, that. for no um, reason. But, yeah, <laughs> you better watch it, or we're gonna make you drive down here and make it. <laughs> make the video. Woo! Yeah. So um, that's what we'll do next time. So thanks again, folks, for um, for joining us for the 14th episode of the Not Your Mama's Game podcast. Um, remember, you can send us email, send us um, kind of uh, recorded questions, comments, etc. Um, either on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash nymgamer, um, or via email, which is nymgamer at gmail.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at NYMGamer. Um, really, there's no excuse not to contact us and watch. That's us. right. We right. had good questions. And if you go to the if you go to the if you go to the site, which is NYMGamer.com, you can also see how you can contact us individually via our Steam, Xbox Live, PSN um, accounts, um, as well as. Uh, via email or blah on our personal Twitter account. So any <laughs> godforsaken way there is to contact us by social media is listed on the on the <laughs> on the on the website at nymgamer.com. We welcome questions, we welcome comments, um, and if you download us um, 
please take the then you if you if you've listened to us you've obviously downloaded this please take a minute and go to itunes and rate us and leave us a comment tell us what we're doing right what we're doing wrong we look forward to hearing all of that let us know how we sound hopefully i sound let's let's not speak for everybody here i don't really want to hear negative Especially if you don't like something Alex did, let us know. Oh, I'm sure I never offend anybody. <laughs> um, so Sorry, look, you're on a roll there. I know. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, we thank you for joining us again for our 14th episode. And we hope you join us for our 15th. Uh, so until next time, um, stay cool, stay safe, keep gaming. Mm-hmm. Bye. 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 I don't want